I, you know, I kind of begrudgingly respect just the dedication to not getting better at what you do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> just coast through life. It, it probably shouldn't even happen. Oh, if you got it, you got to flaunt it, uh, acid. You know what? I got a lot of stuff that I don't want to flaunt, so <laughs> I just keep it to myself. Jeremy is really big into the used mattresses. <laughs> I think that's an excellent, excellent deal. He has a used mattress store on the side. <laughs> and we found out that Anthony's friends are all 13-year-old boys. <laughs> Whoever wins gets assets ball soap. <laughs> Clay, uh, how you doing? Doing a little more poorly after that terrible, terrible introduction. I was just fine, to be honest with you. <laughs> Hello, sci-fi gangsters. This is a show where we talk about science fiction, video games, and comic books, but really it's just an excuse for me to catch up with my friends and to meet interesting people. I'm Anthony Denar, media scholar and, and person who just believes in, believes in journalism, just believes in the power of journalism. I say that kind of mockingly because the character in the comic that we're talking about really believes in the power of journalism, or perhaps the writer of the comic series believes in the power of journalism, but we'll talk about that today. Uh, this is our first ever comic book club discussion where let's look this is jeremy's idea so let's give him full credit for this right jeremy's idea where we pick a comic book we read as much as we can <laughs> with our very busy schedules and then we discuss it right so uh, usually so, so for us jeremy this is your decision uh, uh trans uh, metropolitan is the name of the the, the comic and me and jeremy i haven't read it before uh, christy i believe you have read it before uh but um so Obviously, we're, we're kind of new to this. We're coming to this. And so we're going to be discussing the things that we liked, things that we maybe didn't like, or things that kind of were like, eh, maybe we're a little bit on the fence about. Uh, but that is the topic for today, our first ever comic book club. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and get to our, our, our panelists here, our guests, starting off with uh, Dr. Dr. Christina um, Knopf. I'm sorry, I forgot how you pronounce that again. I, I apologize. No problem. It's Nope, like Leslie Nope on Parks no, and Rec. No, I'm, I'm so sorry. Christina Nope, fantastic. Associate Professor in Communication and Media Studies uh, at uh, SUNY Cortland. Uh, Christy, how you doing? I'm well. Thanks for having me here. I'm looking forward to this. Now, last time we had you on, we talked about the Joker, right? We had a whole mm. episode on the Joker, and now we're talking about trans metropolitan. I reached out to you because I was like, you know what? I kind of want to get somebody else on the show, another, uh, maybe a, a guest to talk about. And uh, apparently you have read the comment before. or I have, yes. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, we'll we'll be discussing the comic things you like, things you perhaps didn't like. But yeah, All right, let's go ahead and get to uh, uh, the, the, my co-host, uh, and that's Jeremy. Jeremy, your your facial expressions always confuse me. I can't tell if you're scared, confused, shocked by things that I said. Your uh, your audio went a little crazy there on my end for a second. So yes, it did. Did it? Did it really? Oh, well, I've not, I don't know what's going on with that. Interesting. Well, very good. Um, keeping everybody on their toes. On my end, I sound fine. Uh, but uh, Jeremy, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. I uh, got a decision to make tomorrow, but we'll, I guess we'll probably hit that on the, uh, the catch up bit. All right. Well, fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, suspense. A lot of suspense there. Now, Jeremy, we uh, obviously we didn't have our show last week, but I've been texting you uh, frequently about the various shows that I've been watching. We'll kind of catch up on that here in a second. Well, let's go ahead and get to the producer of the show. Couldn't do the show without him. Acid Train, how you doing? I am very well. Thank you for asking. Um, a little tired. Uh, the the new job's been demanding, but I am enjoying it and doing doing pretty good. Well, fantastic. Hopefully, we'll get to hear all about that during our catch-up segment. So let's go ahead and begin. I'll go ahead and start off. There's so many things that I want to discuss here today because we haven't seen each other in a couple of weeks. Obviously, I've been watching a lot of shows. I've been sort of kind of diving into uh, various shows at night. So uh, I don't want to talk about Picard because I, I feel like I need to save this for another episode. But uh, quick review of, the, of Picard so far. I don't understand the showrunner's need to make a star trek show that is not a star trek show it is frustrating to that's me that's literally every star trek show that's on right now though well okay so we've already gone over this hundreds of times by the way the last episode of star trek discovery phenomenal 
just like just phenomenal all right so okay so anyways so moving on so i, I obviously I, i'm caught up on star trek discovery i i i enjoyed the, the i've enjoyed the last season with all its failings right uh, i started watching picard and jeremy as you know Jean-Luc Picard, Captain Jean-Luc Picard is my favorite fictional character of all time. In fact, when I was growing up, he was what I idolized as an adult. Like, this is who I need to be as an adult. So I love this character. And I will say this about season two. Season one was atrocious, but season two of Picard started off giving me hope. And it was almost immediately taken away. <laughs> Just immediately taken away. But I want to talk about Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Picard. Uh, I want to talk about Peacemaker because Peacemaker is a uh, 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 Christy. Have you seen Peacemaker yet? Are you have you seen that the show? I haven't yet. No, I'm falling behind on TV lately. Yeah, I'm very behind as well. <laughs> uh, but uh, I will say this about Peacemaker: it is a bit much, especially the first episode. So obviously, a lot of violence. It's you know it's directed and and written by James Gunn. A lot of violence. Obviously inspired by the Suicide Squad, right? Um, a lot of like nudity and like lewd humor. And in fact, the first episode is a lot. Like, and in fact, it was so much, I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this anymore. And then I started watching more and more episodes, and the show has a lot of heart, like a lot of heart. And it it's it's and it has, and I texted you uh, Jeremy this other day, and it gives you the feels way more than it should. Like the whole, the, like the, this, this, the season, there's, there's a lot of emotional moments that you don't expect coming. Um, particularly when it comes to John Cena's character, like, just like the, obviously this whole, this whole season is supposed to be a redemptive story because at the end of Suicide Squad, obviously he's sort of like, he's painted as a villain. Uh, spoiler alert, Christy, I don't know if you've seen Suicide Squad. Have you seen Suicide Squad? Okay, good. Very good. <laughs> right. So obviously he's painted as, uh, the villain, but this whole series is designed to um, redeem him. And, and to the extent where they really go out of their way to explain that he is a victim of his upbringing. Like his father is the primary villain. And when, when you get to know the character and you, you get to understand his motivations, like he's just a bro that wants to rock out and date women that's all he wants like that's his thing right but his father turned him into something else and there are things that happen in the episode or in the in the series that just makes you love the character and uh, so particularly when it comes to him and his pet eagle like <laughs> the pet eagle is fantastic um anyways and of course i don't know if you've heard anything about peacemaker there's a lot of uh, buzz on twitter and social media about the intro sequence and yes, I have to watch the intro sequence every time. I don't skip it ever because it is amazing. Like it's just, it's amazing. And if you, I, I highly recommend that you check out Peacemaker, kind of get past the like, oh man, this is just a lot of violence, a lot of like lewd, a lot of like nudity, like just, uh, but uh, once you kind of get into it and obviously there's humor, <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, I text you. Uh, my, my one of my favorite lines in the in the show is he goes, <laughs> he goes, "What is it? What does he say again?" He says, "Eat peace, motherfucker." <laughs> just like, eat peace. What does that even mean? No, it's just so stupid. So when he kills people, he says, "Eat peace." Anyways, um, he also says another line which makes me laugh every time I think of it. He's talking with his father, and obviously his father thinks he's a big disappointment and everything. And he tells his father, he's like, he's like, Dad, you know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a, sh maybe I'm just a grower, not a shower, or whatever. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> no, he's like, I know what I mean is like, you have to, grow. I grow on people, but it's just, uh, man, it's just, it's such a stupid show that has some surprising, like, uh, emotional moments that really make you enjoy the characters, and it's not just John Cena's, um, that that you like. It's everybody on the show. Uh, so yeah, that's what I have to say about Peacemaker. So there you so, go. Uh, is it based before or after Suicide Squad? Oh, it's definitely after. Okay. It's definitely after because uh, his his killing of a uh, Rick Flag is like weighs hard on him. Like and so, which is great because it should. And um, he, he kind and there's other things. There's other emotional things that happen in his childhood that explain 
why he is what he is. Um, so there, I mean, there's there's a lot of great moments. And I don't want to spoil anything, but there, but yeah, I, every, I love every one of the characters. They're a whole lot of fun. Uh, but uh, Vigilante is a fun character as well. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there you go. There's my uh, review of Peacemaker. I'm not done with the series yet. Obviously, I know the big spoiler that happens at the end because that was that was spoiled for me on social media. I know what happens. I know who shows up at the end. So that kind of ruins that kind of ruins that uh, surprise for me. But everything else has been uh, pretty great. Well, there you go. I said everything I need to say. I dominated this conversation. I apologize for that. But we'll get it. We'll go ahead and move on to Christy. Christy, what's new? Uh, it's the end of the semester for me. So craziness, chaos. Let's make a deal time with the students. <laughs> Do you feel like you get a lot of students emailing you asking for help with stuff? Like, can, uh, can you give me a little extra points here? So it's not so much help. It's the, I know I haven't been to class in three months. What can I do this week? <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, I get that a lot as well. I always get the, you know, I know I haven't turned my, I know my, I know the paper was due two months ago, but is there any way I can turn it in now? No, <laughs> nope. Cause I'm not no. great in that now. Yeah. There was, uh, been trying to, I, I, I've fallen behind, but I've been watching uh, Marvel's moon Knight course on disney plus it's been pretty good but not one of my favorites for the marvel series it does not leave me anxiously awaiting each new installment the way hawkeye did so oh interesting hawkeye is at the top for you it is okay. yeah so wh where does it go where's your ranking so far so you have hawkeye at the top I think in terms of keeping me interested from one episode to the next yes hawkeye is at the top um, then I think pretty much everything else lumps in at second and, and Moon Knight is coming in at a third for me, partly because that's just not one of the comics that I ever got into, I think. So it's not as intriguing to me in some ways. It's very good. The plot is excellent. The acting is superb. It could just be that I am too distracted right now with too many other things to really be able to focus on it. I've also been in that sort of like weird situation where as, as big of a Marvel fan boy, I, I am like, even like, like the whole, there's so many shows to watch right now. And obviously we're in a busy, very busy part of the semester as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I haven't really been compelled. My son wants to watch it. So that's the real, the real reason why I've been watching Moon Knight. Cause he, he loves it. Just like he loved Loki. He loved Loki, but I'll go, I'll go one division Loki at the top and then everything else. For, for me, I think yeah. probably Wanda and Loki are my my closest two to coming in behind Hawkeye. Yeah, well, fantastic. Did are you a big watch uh, all of uh, What If? I did I watch all of the What If, yes. And it looks like we're going to get all of the What If again in Doctor Strange. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So I, I did not watch What If. I'm curious if I should before I go see it. There, uh, so obviously the reason why I watched it because you know Victor wanted to watch it and he he was really into it. Uh, not all of them are great. Uh, some of them are some of them are pretty fun, and uh, the la I think the last like the the last big episode is is pretty good. But other than that, it's it's fun. Yeah, that was my take as well. I enjoyed some of them more than others, to be sure. Well, I'll, th I'll throw another one on your list: Peacemaker. I really wasn't expecting to be good, honestly. Even after the first episode, I was like, I probably won't come back to this. Ended up going back to it and uh, definitely really enjoyed it. And Jeremy, I'm sorry to tell you, John Cena can act. I was not expecting that. He can act. Or at least he can do the things that he needs to do for the series. He can say the words and move around. He does more than that. Also, let me just say, he does more than that. He does more than that. All right, well, fantastic, Christy. So catching up on uh, Moon Knight. All right, so uh, we'll go ahead and get to Jeremy. What's new? Uh, not really a whole lot. So I've been in and out of town, uh, busy with work. I don't, I don't think I've turned my TV on since the last time we talked, so I haven't watched anything. Uh, but my big uh, debate with myself is if I'm going to go see Doctor Strange tomorrow or if I'm going to hold off. So... I don't know. I've become increasingly, I mean, Anthony's very aware, I've become increasingly annoyed by 
the types of fans who've been flocking to Marvel movies and uh and so haven't had the best experiences on premieres the last couple of times but that was just the one time though right have you had another no, bad like experience? it's been like continually moving that way what do you what what kind of things are you seeing I mean so all right so this is my big rant about the uh the popularization of nerd culture that oh here we go it used to be like there was a, there was a cost to it right so it was it was like a kind of a protected space like you knew what kind of people the other people involved were and everyone was kind of the same kind of person and as it's become more popular you get a broader chunk of the population who are not necessarily as conscientious as others so to, to hold on so well let me say this one thing the so the people you're referring to so me and jeremy went to go see spider-man right and uh, the people that you were referring to, I think, like, I wouldn't challenge their authenticity. I would challenge their, like, rudeness. Like, they were just rude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Were, I'm not saying they're not fans. I'm oh, just yeah, saying yeah. as people, like, I mean, you know, like in high school, everyone who read X-Men, like, I'd hang out with you. Right? Like, now, everyone who goes to see it, I don't want to be around some of these people. So they were, uh, they were just very talkative throughout the whole film, almost to the point where they thought they were watching the film at their house. Um, so, and they were responding to everything. They had a comment for everything. And it was getting, it was getting bad to the point where even I wanted to say something. I, I wanted to, uh, but uh, it was very obnoxious. Jeremy, I, I agree with 100%. It's still not the stupidest thing I've heard in a the movie theater. The stupid thing, uh, you were there with me, Jeremy, because I remember we looked at each other <laughs> when it happened. We were watching uh, Infinity War, and obviously, you know, it's um, Ronan, so Hawkeye it is Ronan, right? And he's about to reveal himself, like he's killing people. He's about to reveal himself, and the guy next to me goes, oh, Deadpool, like, dead <laughs> Deadpool. Like, <laughs> he knows he knows comic book movies enough to know who Deadpool is, but he doesn't know it enough to know that Deadpool is not part of this thing. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. So there you go. Deadpool. All right. Very good. All right. So, uh, acid, what's new with you? Oh, there's a lot new with me. I have a new job. Hooray. So as most of everyone here on the panel knows, I was a bus driver for about three years. And a position came available for a supervisor. So I went and applied for it, had an interview, did all the stuff, and ended up not getting it. Somebody else ended up getting it. So the guy comes in and, um, well, long story short, he works for about three days, maybe five, and he just stopped showing up for whatever reason. And then they called me. Um, and I've been in the position now for, gosh, three weeks now. It's been three weeks. Um, I really have no idea why this guy just stopped showing up. This job is not that difficult. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I don't think you like the hours. Because, I, I mean, obviously I've been working about 10 hours a day. It's 10 to 12 hours <laughs> a day so far. Um, just gearing down for the end of the school year. Cause I mean, we've got like 16 days left or something like that. So we've been, um, going through state inspections with all the buses and all that stuff. So it's, it's been, it's just been one thing after another. And then now instead of being one of them, I'm now their superior. So to, so to speak. So, which I don't, I don't really consider myself that I just don't, I don't like that role at all. Like, I don't like, like, I'm not going to be like their buddy or anything anymore, but I mean, cause I'm, you know, I've got to have, I got to have that, you know, I've got to have some kind of space in, ca in case you feel I like have they're, to... they're talking about, they're talking behind your back, aren't they? Is it, this is what you're trying to say. They're talking behind your back. I don't think so. I mean, if they are, I don't know about it. And it's not obvious. More people have come to me cause there's me and then there's, my counterpart that has the exact same job as me. The reason they opened this position was because of all the new schools that are open and the new high school is going to be opening within a few years. There's a new elementary school coming. I mean, so the area is getting bigger and bigger 
and they needed another uh, supervisor just to take on, you know, some more of the, the stuff. So, so there, now there's two of us. While I was a driver, no one went to this guy. No, he always stickler. Nobody. You know, I can't, you know, I'm not going to get too specific in case this goes viral, but you know, right. <laughs> you know, cause you, with Anthony, you never know. It could go viral, you know? Um, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel like they can relate to me more cause I've, I've been in the, I've been in the field, right. I've been in the field. They've seen me in the field and I still, I mean, I still drive. I still empty the trash. I still mop the floors, you know, I still do all the stuff that I did before. Nothing's changed. I just have more responsibilities. And I mean, there were two lost kids today, lost kids today. Got two, got two phone calls. My kid didn't get off the bus. And then lo and behold, 30 seconds later, Oh, never mind. He's coming through the door. It's that kind of stuff. Like parents, mm. parents are crazy. Um, but they're just not patient at all. And then of course it's all our fault. So, but I mean, it's just that kind of stuff. It's not, it's not huge. I mean, it could be huge, but I think I'm preparing myself for the day. What, which I, you know, hope it doesn't become huge, but you know, I think I'll be, be able to take care of it, but I've been enjoying it. And I got through, you know, about half of our little, uh, <laughs> <out> here, um, <laughs> because of all the time I've been putting in, but, uh, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I made the, I'm glad I made the jump to this position. Did, uh, the day you started, like, did you wake up and feel different? Like you're <laughs> all of a sudden anti-union and stuff? I woke up, I woke up about an hour later. That was nice. Oh, okay. Cause he, the other guy is coming in at like five 30 in the morning and he'll leave like two or three or something like that. And I'm coming in, I leave the house about 7.30 now, which is awesome because I get to, you know, see the kids off to school and all that stuff. I can drink my coffee and take my time and I'll stay till about 5, 5.30, you know, something like that. And I still get all the vacations. I still get spring break. I still get like two weeks at Christmas. I still get all the stuff. The only thing that I gave up was summertime, which kind of sucks. But at the same time, I got something to do in the summer now, you know, and my paycheck just got really really fat so <laughs> i'm not gonna complain <laughs> you know i'm not doing this for the money just because honestly i did this for something to do i mean to be if i'm being honest i just i just wanted because i got i mean i would drive in the morning and then if i wasn't working at the university which that kind of was lax and later i just come home in the middle of the day and sit here and play halo or something you know just and then go drive in the afternoon like it was just boring so now I'm working 12 hours a day. <laughs> Yay, me. <laughs> well, fantastic, Acid. I'm glad to hear that everything's working out for you and, uh, you know, enjoying your new position of being the best boss ever in the, the history of the bus driving the profession. Yeah. All right. Well, fa sure. well fantastic. We'll <laughs> Excellent. All right. So let's go ahead and get to our uh, topic for today. And today is our first ever comic book club where we discuss uh, trans metropolitan this was jeremy's uh suggestion on what to do and uh obviously i've i've read three volumes of the series i feel like that's adequate to discuss the series the things i like things i did not like but that's what we talk about today we'll go ahead and start off with we'll talk about the overall uh, the, the plot the storyline we'll, we'll kind of we'll, we'll focus on that we'll kind of go around the horn here and talk but first let's go ahead and get to jeremy I want to get a synopsis from you as someone who has read the series before. Tell us about Trans Metropolitan. So this is one of the series that I read periodically to kind of like check in and see how I feel about it. Um, my opinion on this one really hadn't changed every time I've read it. So it is it's by Warren Ellis. Um, the premise is essentially if you take Hunter S. Thompson and you toss him in a futuristic transhuman world um how does he behave and interact with it and it's uh so the, the, we only read 12 issues so we really just start into um that just sets the stage for the actual storyline to come uh we see him come back into the city uh, because he has a book book deal he's got a, to write two books 
uh, he gets a job with his uh, previous editor, like a weekly column. Um, we see sort of his initial kickoff that brings him back into fame. And then it's like the first part is just familiarizing the reader with the world, essentially. I mean, it's tossing you from reality into uh, something quite different than than a reality any of us would recognize. Yeah, very good. And you said you still have a favorable uh, opinion about this series? I do. Um, so, th- like, there's a handful. So, like, Watchmen, um, Transmetropolitan, Preacher, and Why the Last Man, I kind of read every 10 years or so. And most of them, I there was a stark difference for me reading it at 20 versus 30 and now approaching 40. Um, but Transmetropolitan's kind of always held true. Um, and part of it's probably because I'm, I am a, a, a fan of Hunter S. Thompson and, uh, and his writings, both journalistically and, uh, drug addled, I guess is probably the best word to, to describe some of it. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of held constant for me. All right. Well, very good. We'll kind of move on. I'll kind of save what I wanted to say about the the, the plot, the storyline. We'll kind of move on to Christy. Christy, uh, anything you want to talk about? Um, for me, the political commentary, and this is is sort of what has always interested me the most. And I think one of the things that works so well with this being a series that you can reread every 10 years or so is that it sort of applies to the experiences we've had in different ways every 10 years. You can see the reflection of what's happening around us now in it, even though it was commenting on what was happening when it was when it was originally written. And of course, even though it is a a bizarre world in many respects, science fiction is always reflecting our current society. So it's a bizarre twist, but it's still the cities that we're living in. So yeah, for me, I think that's what works as well is that it is a series that you can revisit and it's kind of a new story every time based on what has changed or maybe not changed in the world yeah i can definitely see this being one of those types of comics where the more you read it the more you get out of it uh particularly because it is pretty um uh pretty dense in a lot of ways like there's a lot of there's a lot of um narrations that you might skip on your first just because there's, there's a lot of writing in it right so uh, you, perhaps you are enjoying the visuals or you kind of pick and choose what you want to read, just like how you, how you typically would read a comic and then going back and, and re and rereading it. Um, it might get you a, kind of a different perspective on that and sort of catching some of the things. Jeremy, you gave me a weird reaction when I said that. What was, what's up? Uh, well, you said pick and choose what you want to read. I've never, I've never thought about reading like just parts of a comic. Interesting. You never so when you uh, when you read a comic, you don't uh, skip a couple lines here and there. Sometimes. Oh no, it's always no. front to back. Yeah, yeah. Especially when I was a kid, I always uh, I kind of probably first focus on the visuals first, and then maybe go back and read a couple things. But that's always how I've read. And we could talk about sort of like the the theories of reading a comic book and how it sort of allows for the freedom of where your eyes go and everything. Uh, but um, but yeah, so. Uh, I can definitely see this being one of those issues where, you know, going back and rereading it, especially when we sort of advance and how, uh, you know, are we getting closer to this sort of this depiction or not? We'll go ahead and we'll get to ask. What did you, what do you think of the storyline? Um, uh, I'm kind of like what, what Anthony was just saying about like where your eyes go. I, I had to, I don't want to say reread, but I would have to, concentrate heavily on each page and you know trying to figure out you know who's speaking first who's who's speaking second what i'm looking at art visually and that kind of stuff so it it was a slower read for me which was part of the reason i only got about halfway through it the other reason is i was very uneasy reading this this is not usually the 
type of entertainment I indulge <laughs> myself in, um, just because it is super vulgar and I, I don't enjoy that. I mean, it's just personal preference. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why entertainment like this has to use so much vulgarity. I mean, it's just, no, it's it's unnecessary. You could get your point across with about half of the of the lines that he's saying. Um, I actually, when it, when it got to his first article, when he was writing live on the rooftop, I was very, I was more impressed with the writing of that article than I had been the entire any speaking line he ever he had said before, um, and then. And then it went back to, <laughs> and then it went back to him. Um, he's he's an interesting character. I mean, if I'm pushing all that aside, he's an interesting he's an interesting character. Um, I don't I still don't know what to think about him yet, um, just because things have changed from, I mean, page to page. I mean, how his interactions with people, his interactions with himself. And even the cat. I mean, I, it's just he's such a random guy. I don't really know how to how to feel about him yet. But uh, I, I don't want to say that I hate it. I mean, I don't I don't hate the storyline. I don't hate you know what's going on as far as as far as the big picture goes. But yeah, so so far, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna finish it. But it's gonna it's gonna take a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's. Uh the heart of spider jerusalem is that um well so partially i think the excess of the story is is intended to to show the, the normalcy of that setting um and then also that that spider as a character is just um it's very prickly um and unpredictable, but at his core, you know, cares a lot mm-hmm. about everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Jeremy, to kind of to kind of bounce off what you were talking about. So, obviously, when I'm reading this comic, you know, the, the first things that come to mind when I am looking at the obviously the visuals and everything is uh, the first thing that, that that pops to me is sort of like the the lewdness of the comic itself, right? In terms of the visuals, the shock value, right? And so the, the, the more I read it, the more I realized, yeah, I guess that's sort of the point, right? So it, this is the point that the author's making is that in the future, everyone is so jaded um, that uh, it just, this is just normal life, right? That people are walking down the street naked, uh, you know, they're, they're peeing on the side of the road, you know, that's sort of like, just like this idea of, there really are no boundaries anymore. So I, I totally get how that was designed to be. Uh, this is the point. And everything else that comes with it as well in terms of like the hyper-mediated environment where, you know, you're you're almost bombarded with uh, with media, right? So like you, you, you'll say something and then obviously like this, the, the big screen will come up and sort of jar you awake, you know? Um, so I, could, I definitely understand where the author is saying, you know, in the future... You know, someone who, you know, 200 years ago watching our cable news would probably lose their mind. And just this idea that, you know, 200, 300 years in the future, what will news be like? And this idea that it's just going to be this intrusion into your privacy. There's no the borderline between the, the public and the private is going to be so blurred. The, 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 the boundary between what is appropriate and inappropriate behavior is going to be mixed. What what's acceptable violence and what's not acceptable violence, but then obviously that sort of blurs into the idea of what it means to be a human as well, right? So uh, obviously a part of the plot line is you have these humans that are you know getting DNA alien DNA to be to to kind of convert to uh, aliens and how they're being mistreated. Obviously we can make connections with. Um, um, uh, transgender individuals, we can kind of make the analogy there, obviously, sort of kind of pointing in our, our, our particular context. There's a lot of interesting things that come to mind when I'm when I'm reading this comic. I, I do feel like when I first read it, uh, at first, I thought it was a little superficial on the surface. I thought it was just another comic that is designed to 
jar you into keep reading, right? So we're going to show nudity. We're going to, we're going to use foul language. We're going to have a cat just pissing on the bed. And we're like, right. This, the, the. But I understand now reading it more and more. I get that. That's the point. Do I feel like it always hits? Not necessarily, but I, I do understand the motivation behind it. Some things that I liked. I like the idea of exploring what it means to be human and how different cultures start to develop based on that. So experimenting with not just gender, but in terms of like and race, but like alien race, experimenting with or experimenting with what's the difference between being human and being a machine, right? You know, the, the whole foglet thing reminded me a whole lot of the Matrix. Remember the, the Matrix new movie? That, that idea where you're like, you're a machine, but you're human, but you're also a machine, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, these I were all, like, all these things grew out of the same initial transhumanist manifesto and movement um, of, you know, the philosophy that, that human beings should not be tied to the products of evolutionary biology, right? Yeah, which is interesting because I've always been, I've my, my particular philosophy, if you will, is I've always believed that the mind cannot be separated from the body, that, that it's impossible. So the, the body and the mind are, to, so without the, without the body, you can't have the mind. Like you as a person are both your body and your mind together, and you cannot separate the two. That's always been sort of my philosophy. The more sort of I read and everything, this idea of like um, me as a person, I have to have the body. You can't just take who I am as my mind and put it in somewhere else because then, then I'm no longer me, right? The sort of like the, but yeah. So that's a whole other. Yeah. I mean, but it's all it's all just data, right? So you could have an entirely synthetic body that has the same hormonal milieu that you have as a human, and not be able to tell the difference, right? Like there is there is interplay, but there's no reason it has to be tied to. A particular type of wetware. Interesting. I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I agree with that or not. But uh, I mean, it, there's yeah, no way to prove. I, it. I'd be happy to have the scientific uh, <laughs> and engineering discussion. <laughs> Fantastic. So I do want to talk about a couple other things that came to my mind. And one of the things that I find very funny about this particular comic, and especially when we when we look at it through our our political climate, when it comes to fake news and that sort of thing, is this idea that Spider. Um, that his power, like his, his ability of being a good journalist uh, can sort of make its way through all the, the garbage, right? So I'm such a good journalist and good writer that I can sort of, when I write something, everybody notices it because I bring it back to what journalism is supposed to be, uh, which I find kind of funny because... I feel like if, if we actually look at our, our political climate nowadays, it's not that people, uh, it's not like that there's not good journalism out there anymore. It's just that people don't care. People don't want to, people don't want good journalism. I don't, I don't think it's that people don't care. It's that the signal to noise ratio is skewed. So the noise so, is much, much higher. Yeah, but I would argue that people want the noise. Like the people would rather have I mean, the noise. There's a difference between wanting it and being. Because everything has been tuned to, to, to play with our, again, our evolved synapses, right? To, to be dopaminergic. So there's a difference between wanting legitimate truth, but then seeing the shiny ball and chasing it because we're human and that's how we respond. Okay, great. What's the difference? So it's the same outcome. It's the same outcome, but it's different motivation. So I'm, I'm, my argument is not that people are lazy and not that people are stupid. Oh, no, I don't. But that yeah. manipulation is much more sophisticated. See, uh, I've always been hesitant as a media scholar to, to, to believe the idea that the sort of like the, the media is the enemy. It's the media's fault for why. Uh, we, that, that we don't have good journalism anymore or that there's, there's the prominence of sensationalist news and that sort of thing. Obviously, we could sort of talk about economics, how that affects things. and everything. But I also feel like the audience itself often drives this. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dynamic relationship. So I've always been very hesitant to say uh, the reason why we're in our current media climate is because the media itself. 
right? And uh, I, there's so many other factors that contributed to this. But so let me kind of go back to what I was talking about with Spider. This, uh, so what I find interesting is that obviously he believes in the power of journalism, right? That's his whole shtick, is that I'm going to tell the truth. And what I find interesting is in the comic itself, the people are responding to the truth and they're responding to good journalism and it's changing the world. And what I'm saying is that in our real world, that's not going to happen. Like people, like it's not like all of a sudden someone's going to write, someone's going to have journalistic integrity and actually write a compelling nuanced story. And then the whole world's going to go, look at, look at this. Let's make this person famous. Right. So what, that's what I find kind of interesting about this particular comic series is this idea that, um, uh, in this world where there's so much noise that when you have one particular person, he can just break through that noise. And I would say in maybe this, in this fictional world, perhaps, but in, if we took it in our, our current world, the reason why we have so much noise is, is because th there's so many factors, but a lot of it has to do with the audience itself. But Jeremy, I feel like you, have, you want to say something. No, I was going to say like the, the limited, uh, I, I feel like you're, your assumption about his impact is probably overstated. Interesting. Okay. So, so um, later, later in the story, okay. people do not listen to him and bad things happen. So I, I don't think it's the fact that not only is that everybody in the city is, is paying attention to him. It's just that he was a popular writer who is back and you know, some people pay attention to him. And he earns a lot of enemies as well. So people are listening, but not necessarily in a way that's changing the world for the better. He's got death threats out on him. So, and to, to add into this, that I think in this world, Spider breaks through the noise simply because he sounds different from the rest of the noise, not necessarily because it's good journalism. And we can look at certain politicians in the present day who have managed to sound different and get a following simply because they didn't sound like other politicians. So if you sound different from the noise around it, it's going to get noticed. That doesn't necessarily mean pay, people paying attention is a good thing. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think you guys both made uh, excellent points. I can definitely see that being the case as well. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I just uh, not necessarily a critique of the comic itself, just in terms of what I've noticed about our current landscape right? and sort of like the debate that's that's out there right now where it's like why like why are we in our our particular political climate is it because the media caused this i would say no i would say no it's not because the media caused this uh but it's 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 far more complex than that uh but yeah uh because i feel like a lot of times the media whatever you want to call the media which is kind of a ridiculous statement the so media, that right? just even referring to the media makes me yes. cringe yeah yes <laughs> but yeah uh, if you if, if we want to narrow it down to the news media, maybe that's even that, that gets a little bit more narrow. Uh, but yeah, so I, I often push back against sort of that uh, idea. But yeah, I feel like you guys made uh, interesting uh, uh, arguments there. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll we'll move on. We talked about the plot a little bit. I think I kind of I had other things I want to say about the plot that I find kind of interesting. But we'll kind of move on to uh, the artwork. What do we think about the artwork? And Jeremy, we'll kind of get back to you. What do you think? Uh, so artwork is, it's one of those things I don't really look at too much. Like, um, to me, it's more about the detail involved. You know, I don't necessarily care of the glossiness or the shininess or, you know, any of that. Um, and so I really, I do really enjoy the, the artwork in Transmetropolitan because the, mainly the, the attention to detail in the scene um, in, in setting out to build this world. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it was started in 97, so it's a product of its time. Um, yeah, it, it still holds up for me. All right. Well, excellent. We'll go ahead and get to Christy. What'd you think? Uh, yeah, I would say I agree. It's a product of its time to me. It's sort of, it's good. It's very 
typical dystopian artwork in many ways. It looks like many of the other techno dystopian pieces that that were uh, of similar vein. I'm thinking American Flag, for example, uh, is another case of the hyper mediated environment. I, I enjoy it reading it now in 2022 and kind of looking at the interpretation of what tech advanced technology was going to look like laptops that resemble typewriters and things like that. Uh, so I kind of enjoy that. Um, yeah, for me, some of the artwork is what takes the excess to the excessive, the vulgarity and the grotesquerie that I think at times can detract from the plot to a certain extent and i think in many ways detracts from spider's positioning as you know a moral commentator on the world you know when you see him plunging his face into a bucket of eyeballs it it just is those are the moments that kind of i find distracting from the whole but i do like all of the other touches that go into things, the advertisements that you see on the streets, uh, the the tiny little Easter egg types of things that if you slow down to look at the details, but it is a very text heavy book. So I also find it pretty easy to read through it and ignore the artwork in many cases. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I've always I've always divided comics into two categories just in my head is text heavy and, and image heavy. And I've always been more of a fan of image heavy comic books just because I read all the dang time. And when I want to, when I read a comic book, I want a break. Uh, but I, but I totally understand why this particular comic, you, it doesn't need to be text, text heavy. So something different from, um, Oh, what's the name of the, uh, the comic where they, the Netflix show was based on it with the, the kid with the antlers. Come on. What's the name of it? Anyways, uh, that was very visual heavy. And I really enjoyed uh, that that particular comic. But you're right; th this is text heavy, and it does you end up spending majority of your time reading the text and less time enjoying the images, uh, which I find it kind of interesting. But we'll go ahead and move on to um, uh, acid. What do you think of the what, what the images, the visuals? The artwork was very interesting, and honestly. This is probably really sad that I thought this was my first thought when I was looking at the artwork because before I even read anything, I was more curious about how the art style was. So I was just kind of flipping through and it reminded me of very 90s, like Ren and Stimpy type artwork. I mean, you remember Ren and Stimpy, like that cartoon? It was very, it's the very gross humor, gross artwork, but I mean, you know, vulgar images aside, the artwork's. I mean, very appealing to me. Um, and just on a side note, I was actually marked one of my more interesting uh, artworks. I don't think I can show it on here, but it was of it was when they went to the um, whatever the religious um, emporium or whatever it was. And there's a side page. It's like you know, on one whole page, and it just shows all these different religions i don't even i don't even want to call it that it's just it's like church of elvis and hey come back to zeus he's back and like all of this stuff yes that one right there yep that's it there we go that's and a good one yeah just to be able to see the author's vision of what religion is going to look like you know in the future because, you know, I mean, I'm a Christian and I see it, I don't see this, but I mean, when you look at denominations, this is kind of how I look at that. I mean, there's a bajillion denominations of the same principle with minor, you know, minor and some major differences. But when I look at this, I'm like, yep, this is it. Because, I mean, you've got some over here. It's like, oh, look, be healed over here. And, oh, look, there's this guy drinking St. Peter's beer with holy thoughts on his chest and it's plugged into his brain and it's just, it's just funny i mean it's just it's hilarious to look at some of this stuff um but yeah as far as the artwork goes I'm, i mean i i actually really like i really like the artwork 
I think it's interesting you mentioned Ren and Stimpy because I was sort of thinking about the the excess and comparing it to The Simpsons Itchy and Scratchy mm. as far as the excessive violence and excessive blood to make a point about violence in television. So because I mean there were a few like puking scenes in the here and that kind of stuff. Like that kind of reminded me of that gross humor Ren and Stimpy type. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely see what you're talking about. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, very good. So uh, a couple of things I want to say when I about the um, the artwork here. I think the the art obviously the artist's goal is to make us feel uncomfortable, almost to the point of nauseous. Like I feel like that's been sort of like the motivation of the artwork here. And I could I so I can point to several instances where, like the heavy smoking for one thing, just like where everyone's smoking, but like the editor or whatever has like five cigarettes in his mouth and he's smoking five cigarettes. Like, I, I feel like, uh, Christy, you, you mentioned excess. That's such a good word to, to mention here, but just like this idea that I'm not getting enough of this cancer causing material that I need to put five of them in my mouth, but they don't get but, cancer. Yeah, that's but that's the just, beauty of the world. Yeah, they don't. Right. They... But it, which is interesting, right? Which, which is kind of interesting because, um, They've cured cancer, but they still have decided to, you know, to use this cancerous uh, drug, right, because of the nicotine, obviously. But it sort of kind of ties into this idea that in the future, uh, they're smoking. But I think, obviously, once again, it kind of of goes back to my idea of it makes the current reader nauseous because of everything that we know about uh, cigarette smoking, like it make it definitely made me nauseous. Jeremy, you can shake your head all you want. So uh, then, like the cat pissing on the on the bed, and just like the the random stuff, like the like the dirtiness. Uh, there's there's some funny lines in here as well. Like he's in this, he's in the porta potty. He's like doing the, his uh his his work on the porta potty. Like just this idea of like kind of like the a disgusting space. That's where he's doing his work because it gets his privacy. But he's in a porta potty, which is kind of gross. Um. Yeah, just the, uh, I found it kind of interesting. I, well, one thing I, I, I do find kind of, um, if you if you go to some of like the splash pages, the artwork is far more detailed and more, um, what's the word? More artistic, right? More expressive, which I, I kind of enjoy. But yeah, that's that's kind of my my, my take on, on, on the artwork. There's this idea of, uh, it's sort of, Overpolluted, uh, dirty. Um, the, the, they continually use language as like you can get infected. Like Spider is constantly talking about, oh no, this is a spot or this is a person who can infect me, right? So this idea that you're just constantly in contact with germs and disease, which I kind of find interesting, sort of kind of go, goes back to my theme of like this idea of I want the reader to read this while be, like being disgusted. But yeah, well, very good. That's kind of what I want to talk about when it comes to the artwork. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get to our final theme of the day, and that is the characters. What do you think of the characters? Jeremy, what do you think of the characters? Um, well, in the first 12 issues, you only see a very small subset of the actual characters who come along. Um, so you really just just see Spider and Shannon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like both the characters. I like uh, their sort of arcs throughout the storyline. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I've, I've always liked Hunter S. Thompson's uh, approach to writing and, uh, you know, at least respected his approach to life, even if I didn't understand it at times. Uh, so, yeah, I. Uh, I don't have anything against the characters. All right. Well, very good. Christy, what did you think of the characters? I really like Spider's interactions with his editor. One of my sort of little side interests has always been fictional accounts of journalists. And Spider just, despite the futuristic sci-fi dystopian world he lives in, Spider is the archetype of the fictional journalist. Uh, He's not a hard drinker, but he's got every other drug under the sun at his disposal. So he still fits the the sort of cinematic 
perspective of the drunken journalist that needs that buffer between the the horrifying truths and the, the trying to fight the good fight that they they struggle with uh i there are times that i want to like spider more than i do because he is a very um complicated character in many ways so there's moments when he kind of lets me down i want him to be just a little bit better than he is but that's also what makes it a, a more compelling read in many ways and a little bit more real despite the ridiculous and yet all too realistic aspects of the world that he lives in so yeah it's kind of funny because obviously sort of a, this is supposed to be a commentary on the corruptness of the of the future and like sort of like the the dystopian future that we could all be you know living in someday and spider who is this kind of he's kind of he's just a jerk this jerk he's the moral compass which i find kind of fun fascinating is that this guy who really is a jerk in every way is the good guy of this particular world which i kind of find interesting but yeah all right, Acid, what you got? Spider, and I don't know how, I don't know, this is just how, this is what I thought, so I'll just say it. Um, Spider reminded me of, did you ever see The Social Network, the movie? You I know did. what I'm talking about? He reminded me, I mean, going back to saying how he was a jerk, a jerk, but he was really good at, you know, what he was doing. You know, Jesse Eisenberg kind of put that character for Mark Zuckerberg in the film, it was, I thought it was, I don't want to say exactly, but it kind of reminded me of his mannerisms and how of a, of a jerk and D bag he could be. But at the same time, you every once in a while, you'd see a hint of niceness come out of him and then it would immediately be taken away by something stupid, you know? So spider spider to me is kind of like, kind of like that. Um, but I am from where I am in the, in the book now, it, the relationship between him and, and Shannon is kind of, I'm kind of, in, I'm, I'm starting to enjoy a little more um, because she has been, I don't know, emo I feel like emotionally distraught by him and her current boyfriend right now. And I'm kind of, I'm curious to see where that goes. Um, but there was a glimpse, there was a glimpse, just a little glimpse of niceness come from spider towards her where I am right now. Um, and trying to make her feel a little better. So I, I think, well, I mean, kind of like what, what you were saying, uh, Christina, like he, he, I want him to be a little bit better than what he is at some at times. And then it's like, he immediately lets me down like one page later. So. I do like the politicians. I think the politicians are great because they're sort of archetypes of politicians, right? You have the smiler, right? Who's just this phony guy who just smiles all the time. And then you have the sort of like the fascist guy, right? Which is um, sort of another archetype. You won't get into politics who that archetype is. Uh, but yeah, so um, kind of interesting. None of us mentioned the cop dog. No one's going to talk about the cop dog. <laughs> like just this random character that pops into the story and then just disappears. I mean, it doesn't disappear. I mean, there, but there's like this weird non-payoff of the cop dog. So uh, I asked that I think you're, you're, you you haven't got to the part yet, okay. but there's just this, Jeremy, maybe you can help me out with the backstory here, but there's a dog who is a, a, a cop, but he's also sentient. He has a back, so he has a sort of a past with Jerusalem, and he wants to finally get revenge. And he jumps to kind of get Jerusalem, like you think he's going to finally get him, and he just misses, and then that's it. I <laughs> just that's the story of the cop dog. Jeremy, what do what do you have to say about that? Uh, no, I mean I think it's one of the little funnier uh, side stories in the early early issues. I mean it's uh, in in ultimately it would come out to to be the that spider plays a massive role in this person's life and from spider's perspective he has no idea who this person is like he wouldn't remember him 
Um, so it shows sort of the, the collateral damage of personalities that are that strong. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I, I think it's a funny aside in that issue. All right. Well, very good. Excellent. There's a random cop dog. Why is there a cop dog, Jeremy? Uh, I mean, you can just say cop. Uh, you don't have to be speciest. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's just a cop. I mean, why isn't he a dog's body? Is it, do we know? He's a, he's a sentient dog. I mean, he's, you know, this is a world where, you know, brain computer interfaces are old hat. So hyper intelligent non-humans, uh, are a reality or possibility. Well, very good. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for the explanation on the cop dog situation. Well, very good. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. That was our sort of review of Transmetropolitan. We, 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 we enjoyed some things. We talked about the artwork. We talked about the story. We talked about the characters. Um, Thank you, everybody, for being on the show. Once again, uh, thank you so much for Christina uh, Nope for being on. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And uh, Jeremy, always good to have you on. And then Acid Train, always good to have you on as well. Uh, that is the show for today. Once again, don't forget to check us out uh, at scifigangsters.com. We broadcast on YouTube. Also, wherever you get our, your podcasts, we'll also uh, you can listen to us on that. That's the show for today. Goodbye, everybody.